0: Well, same, not the same time, but tomorrow. Bye-bye. RTHK
1: News.
0: Bye. It's one o'clock. I'm Barry O'Rourke. The top stories. The Chief Secretary says the Chinese Communist Party defends the one country, two systems principle it created. The Hospital Authority launches a vaccination assessment service for its patients. And Sir David Attenborough prepares to tell world leaders at the G7 summit what they need to do to tackle climate change. Chief Secretary Matthew Cheung says the Chinese Communist Party not only created the one country, two systems principle, it defends it. He says the principle was established from a pragmatic standpoint, having fully considered the history and actual situation of Hong Kong. Mr Cheung wrote in his weekly blog that the SAR's return to the motherland is an important component of the party's 100 years of success. The Hospital Authority is to launch a COVID vaccination suitability assessment service for its patients, starting from next Friday. Existing patients will be able to book two to three days in advance. Hospital Authority Director Libby Lee says knowing a patient's medical history will make the process faster and more efficient, and will save patients having to wait for their next routine appointment to find out if they're suitable for receiving a COVID jab mainly because the HA patients are followed up in our clinics and we have a medical record for all these patients. So the assessment will be more comprehensive and more objective by knowing a bit more about the patient conditions. So when we start the services for our own patient first, this assessment will be more comprehensive and more fair to the patients. However, if they are going to have their follow-up within a month or two, we highly recommend that they just ask their doctors for assessment during the follow-up time. So do not need to take up the quota for the assessment clinic. Financial Secretary Paul Chan says unemployment is expected to fall to levels similar to a year ago, but it'll still be a far cry from the pre-pandemic jobless rate. The government will announce the latest unemployment figures on Wednesday. Mr Chan says that as more and more people are getting vaccinated, the local economy is regaining momentum and in turn improving the job market. A year ago, the unemployment rate was at around 6%, but that's about double the level in 2019. The British naturalist Sir David Attenborough is set to challenge G7 leaders in southern England to take some of the most important decisions in human history as the summit addresses the climate crisis. The BBC's Roger Harabin reports. Sir David will tell the G7 the natural world is greatly diminished, our climate is warming fast, societies are unequal. He'll say we may be on the verge of destabilising the entire planet And that makes decisions taken by the rich nations the most important in human history. But persuading the leaders of nations with different economies to adopt common solutions is far from easy. Japan has been holding out against the end of coal burning. Others don't want to end subsidies for fossil fuels. A closing declaration is expected to promise more financial support for developing countries hit by climate change, funds for infrastructure projects in the developing world to counter China's influence, and commitments to curb future pandemics. Artillery attacks on a hospital and residential area in the northern Syrian city of Afrin have killed at least 13 people and wounded dozens of others. The BBC's Sophie Glass-Ryan reports. Video footage taken of the aftermath of the attacks on Afrin showed bodies lying among the ruins of the Al-Shifar hospital and aid workers picking their way through the rubble. The British-based Syrian Observatory for Human Rights said the dead included a doctor, three hospital staff and two children. The city is held by Turkish-backed rebels and Ankara has been quick to condemn the shelling, blaming it on the Syrian Kurdish YPG militia. However, the US backed Syrian Democratic Forces, which is led by the YPG, has denied any involvement. Saudi Arabia has announced it's restricting this year's Hajj to its own citizens and residents in response to the continuing COVID pandemic. The Deputy Minister of Hajj, Abdul Fattah bin Suleiman Mashat, says a maximum of 60,000 people will be allowed and they must be aged between 18 and 65 and have been vaccinated. As everyone knows, the Hajj rituals take place at specific places and times, and therefore, there must be a very thorough application of health standards and protocols. For this reason, the authorities have limited the number to 60,000 pilgrims in line with the work model that maintains health protocols that are applied strictly. Last year, just 1,000 Saudis were permitted to perform the pilgrimage. You're listening to RTHK. The time is coming up to five minutes past one. A sixth round of talks to resurrect the 2015 Iran nuclear deal is underway in the Austrian capital, Vienna, with the European Union calling discussions intense. Iranian officials met representatives from China, France, Germany, the EU and Britain, but will not hold face-to-face talks with the United States. A court in Greece has sentenced four Afghans to ten years each in jail after finding them guilty of burning down the Moria refugee camp on the island of Lesbos, the biggest in Europe. Here's the BBC's Danny Eberhardt.: The fires that devastated Moria killed no one, but left some 13,000 migrants homeless, forced to sleep outdoors. The overcrowded camp, originally meant for 3,000 people, had been heavily criticised by migrant rights groups and by many locals. This trial was held behind closed doors. The conviction of the four Afghan men follows sentences given in March to two other Afghans. But their lawyers are appealing. They're angered that one of the main prosecution witnesses wasn't at court and couldn't be cross-examined. About 2,000 people have staged another demonstration outside the Jerusalem residence of Benjamin Netanyahu on the eve of a vote in Parliament that could end Israel's longest-serving Prime Minister's term in office. The crowd sang Bibi Chiao in celebration after nearly a year of rallies demanding his departure. Mr Netanyahu is standing trial for corruption, allegations he denies. A seat on Blue Origin's space rocket, which is owned by Amazon founder Jeff Bezos, has been sold at auction for 28 million US dollars, the BBC's David Willis reports from Los Angeles. The winner's identity has yet to be revealed, but their $28 million donation buys them a seat alongside the world's richest man on his Blue Origin spacecraft for its maiden voyage beyond the Earth's atmosphere. Blue Origin is hailing the sightseeing trip, which is due to take place on the 20th of July, as a landmark moment in commercial space travel. Funds raised from the Blue Origin auction are being donated to charity to sport where the doctor of the Danish football team has said that midfielder Christian Eriksen received life-saving cardiac massage treatment on the pitch after collapsing during the European Championship match against Finland. Morten Bozen said that although Eriksen initially had a pulse, that changed and medics had to battle to bring him back. More details from the BBC's John Watson. The former Tottenham Hotspur player was immediately transferred to hospital, the Danish FA confirming he was awake and would remain in hospital for further examination. It evoked memories of Fabrice Muamba, the former Bolton Wanderers player who suffered a cardiac arrest on the pitch against Tottenham in an FA Cup tie in 2012. Whilst he went on to make a full recovery, it ended his playing career and he's since campaigned for additional heart screening amongst current players. Eriksson was able to speak to his teammates from hospital and a request was made for the game to resume. Tonight, England begin their Group D campaign with a tough encounter against Croatia, a rematch of the 2018 World Cup semi-final, where the Croatians came out on top. England boasts a talented young squad, several players featured in the Champions League final between Chelsea and Manchester City. One of those is the Chelsea defender Rhys James, and he has high expectations for his national side. Yeah, I think now is probably the best chance we've um, ever had to achieve something so big in a tournament. You know, we've got so many great players and so many players that have won titles and won many major honours so i think uh, we definitely have a good enough a good enough team to to go all the way in this tournament and i don't i don't see why we can't the Copa America football tournament has suffered another setback after 12 members of the Venezuela squad tested positive for COVID-19, a day before they were due to play the opening match against the host Brazil. The Copa America was switched to Brazil from Argentina and Colombia at short notice. To tennis and Novak Djokovic will move to within one Grand Slam victory of Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal if he can beat Stefanos Tsitspas in the men's single final at the French Open tonight. The 22-year-old Greek player will be competing in his first Grand Slam final. The BBC's Russell Fuller looks ahead to the big clash in Paris. A four-hour and 11-minute Friday night victory over Rafael Nadal will take a little out of the reserves of even Djokovic, but this will be a 29th Grand Slam final for the world number one. Djokovic could become the first man in the open era to win each of the four Grand Slam titles twice, but will be very wary of the fifth seed. When they met at the Italian Open just last month, Djokovic had to recover from a set and a breakdown to progress to the semi-finals, and Tsitsipas already has two clay court titles to his name this year. Playing with aggression and a lack of inhibition will be crucial for Sitsipas, but that is easier said than done in your first Grand Slam final. And you're listening to the news on RTHK.
1: Time in everyone's life that you need a little relaxation, you know? Run it. Listen, sure. <laughs> Listen to this, Listen to this. As I was saying, not about this clear Yeah, <laughs>